Well, hey, welcome back, everybody, to Joy Gas, video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ. He is Steve. And Andor makes its way onto Disney Plus on September 2022. We're going to be going right into our topic of the day, which is the Andor <laughs> show impressions. So there's no need to fast forward. What, what, what are you chuckling about? I didn't realize I was super well, funny. Uh, it was kind of like, well, this is what we're going to talk about. And today we're going to talk about it. <clears throat> That's what you call setting it up for the layup there, Steve. Ooh, it's never good at basketball, though. And anywho. <laughs> um, okay, so this show finally made its debut. It was mm. debuted... Uh, or I should say it was delayed. Right. Initially, uh, it was supposed to come out in the summertime. Is that right? Yes. Actually, I think it was supposed to come out a while ago. Honestly, I don't remember exactly like when it was supposed to come out, but I know it got delayed by a few months or something. Probably by COVID, Rosa. No, I think they did like a rescheduling, uh, a shifting of. I don't know. Anyway, anyhow, the point is, is that it was rescheduled to come out in September, and uh, we got it. Here we are. So they decided to drop th the first three episodes onto us. Mm. So that translates to, into roughly, I don't know, about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes worth of watching yeah. thus far. So what are your thoughts on it uh, after seeing the first three episodes? Um, well, Russ, it feels like... The adults are writing the show now. The adults are writing the show. You know what I mean, Raj? It's not all about... Uh, <clears throat> it's like the writing is better. It's not like yeah, we're just trying to throw a movie at you and put a Star Wars stamp and go, like it, or we won't like you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, it, I, but it does feel like this is someone else's... Um, like. Different director, different vision in the Star Wars vein, but not the Star Wars that we've grown up with. But mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I'm perfectly happy being in this world because it feels like they're respecting, like, you know, the lore and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the property and everything. And that's kind of my number one grade A numero uno uh, request is that they respect the source material, which I feel like they are. Interesting. Um, I'm not all happy go lucky with it. I mean, it is, it did start off a bit slow, <laughs> but it's getting better for sure. Um, music is good, I think. And I mean, there's, I think there's, there is stuff to like. I, I am, so far, I am, I'm pleased, I guess I would say. Okay. I'm yes. a little surprised, I, I must admit. It's a little slow, though. I mean, it, it, it is picking up, especially by, like you, on your cup. But it did start off a bit slow. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. We're on this place. You know mm -hmm. what kind of boggles my mind, Russ? Oh, what's that, Steve? A lot of these Star Wars-y towns and villages, they're not that technically advanced. Like, they have all these, like, cool gadgets and stuff and spaceships. Uh-huh. But they're all kind of like these ragtag towns. Well, that's part of the art direction of Star Wars, Steve. But this one, uh, you know, they kind of this this one did give us something a bit different. Um, 
It almost had a kind of like a Blade Runner feel to it. It way. did in, in certain parts, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> which I liked. Well, that's good. I'm actually really surprised that. Uh, oh, you're awesome. Yeah, that, that that you are enjoying it the way that you are describing it. You know, I thought it was going to be a whole movie that was out. I didn't think it was going to be a series until like recently. You know, there have been a number of different projects that I too have been a little confused on. Like I thought that perhaps it would be a movie and then it turns out to be a series instead. And I think that's, that's mostly the case for me is like things that I thought, like I know we were talking about, uh, what was it? Iron heart earlier today or something like that. I thought that was a movie, but apparently it's a series it's coming out on, on Disney plus. So mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Now on my side of things mm-hmm. so far for me, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. And I've been able to make a list that I would like to go down with you to get your thoughts on, especially now knowing that it sounds like you're, you know, more or less enjoying the show. So far, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in my situation, um, I think from an art direction standpoint, it looks really nice. Um, To your point, you know, especially with, with the first episode, it had a lot of that Blade Runner vibe, which again, I'm not sure if I like, I mean, I, okay. For for what it is, I liked it, but I'm not sure if that necessarily fit within the star Wars world. And this is kind of one of the ongoing things that I kind of found myself noticing again and again through all three episodes is each one of the episodes has a sci-fi aesthetic to it that I don't necessarily associate with Star Wars. So like Blade Runner was definitely with episode one. And then like in episodes two and three, there were, it was kind of like maybe a Battlestar Galactica kind of look, or maybe like another type of sci, like futuristic sci-fi show where like you had all the elements together that like you would come to expect within a sci-fi show, but it didn't necessarily a hundred percent feel like it fit within the world of star Wars. And that's because star Wars has its, its very own unique aesthetic and front over someone like me, like I, I find myself kind of wavering back and forth, like certain scenes. I was like, Oh yeah, this is totally star Wars. And other scenes. I'm just like, I can't shake the feeling like, I, like if this was like another show, like I said, like that was based off like an original <laughs> IP or something like that. I'd be like, man, this is, this is a, you know, a cool show. But for some reason, like there was a little bit of a disconnect there. Did you notice that at all for yourself? Um, I did. Um, but I will say also that we're not on, what is it? Tato- Tatooine. Yes. We're not in a desert. Right. And we're not on some like just rock planet desolate place. So we're, we are seeing like different backdrops and stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, yes, it did have a different feel for mm-hmm. sure. But I mean, I'm kind of thankful for that. Anyhow, anyway. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in the Star Wars films that we've had in the past, I mean, mm-hmm. there are several planets that we go to and check. I mean, Naboo, for instance, was like mm-hmm. a huge departure from Tatooine. So there, there is that, but uh yeah, I don't know. I just, I, that was kind of one of the things that was, was a, a noticeable uh, thingamajig for me. I was like, hmm, interesting. Ah. Now for, for me though, for the first three episodes, honestly, I felt they were really slow. The first two I thought were slow, but the, the third one, I mean, had some action in it. Yeah. The third one, actually, it, it did start to have some action to it, which I was thankful for. Um, 
and yeah, the third one is definitely the one that I like the the best out of the, out of the first three. But I'm just kind of surprised at how, for the most part, like all three episodes, uh, really were kind of throwaway for me personally in the sense that like like I, I I wasn't bonding with any of the characters. The story was kind of convoluted. Like I'm just like, what what exactly are we trying to set up here? And I think that that was kind of an issue. And you know, it was like the the episodes were trying to um, establish the main character, like where he is at this point in time, but at the same time do flashbacks to, I mean, I presume that was when he was a kid. I'm guessing that's the same thing too. Yeah. I mean, there, there's nothing that's tying the two together. Right. So I'm thinking it was when he was a kid because they, they make reference to his tribe, like the Canaria, or I think it was called Canari. I, I honestly, I didn't even, I didn't even pick that up. I was like, cause the whole time I'm wondering like, what, like, who are these people? What is this tribe about? Whatever. I mean, his character's name, I think, is pronounced like Cassian or something like yeah. that. But yeah, like like that was kind of one of the things that I was noticing. And and there were instances where like the the show was moving so slowly, I kind of almost like started like surfing the net a little bit. I was kind of <laughs> yeah. I was kind of doing what, what you sometimes do that you've told me in the past, where I'm just like, okay, and then all of a sudden something would pick up. It's like, oh, okay, let me see what's going on now. Which is surprising because when I saw the the trailer for this show, I was definitely into the the, the trailer itself. I was like, okay, th- this is definitely something that is piquing my interest. Sure. I, I want to check this out. So I think they, I think that's one of the reasons why they dropped three episodes at once. Because if you watch the first episode, you're just lost. You're kind of lost. Like, okay, what's going on here? Like the the first ten minutes are pretty cool. Like they got your attention. And then we get the second episode and it's shorter and not much happens in the second episode. So if they left that and you had to wait a week, mm-hmm. you, your attention would have been waning. You would have thought, eh, this is not really going anywhere. Yeah. But because they gave you the first three episodes to binge on and then they left off on like a high note, I thought, because of, of the action, right, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah And I I'm agree. like, okay, I can wait a week for this, you know, and continue watching sure. it. So I think that was, that was <laughs> probably purposeful. Yeah. Um, to retain viewership. Yeah. That's why I'm looking forward to like kind of going down this stuff and getting your, your take on this. Sure. Bro. One of, of the main things, and I'm just going to just be honest and just say this is that I'm just not a big fan of Diego Luna's acting, like nothing personal against him as an actor or anything. But like for me, he just, he doesn't retain my interest. And I, th- I think there it's kind of twofold in the sense that, on the one hand, it's like, I, I'm not really like, I'm not and this. This happened with Rogue One as well. I just, I could not like get into his character, but I think the other problem is, is that the, the personality, the character that he's, he's portraying is also one that I'm not a particular fan of when it comes to the star Wars universe. And I sat there thinking about, I'm like, what, what is it about this? And I came up with the fact that like he comes across as kind of neurotic, um, a bit melancholy, um, just real agitated, edgy, that sort of thing, which I understand that like, like what they're going for in terms of his character. But what I thought about previous star Wars characters this is a a departure from that. Like if you think about like Han Solo, for example, you know, Han Solo was also a smuggler, right? 
but he was a scoundrel as well. Like, like he, he had the swagger. He had kind of the smart mouth. He was a survivor like, uh, Cassian is, but you can see what happens where like, it's almost as if like, like if, if I were to have some sort of whiteboard up that shows Han Solo as like a character archetype for, uh, for star Wars, right? Like here's one of the personas that you'll meet is like the scoundrel class. And you'll see these different character attributes that are within the circle that says Han Solo, right? Well, if I start to take away certain attributes, like, like, well, okay, so we know that he's a smuggler, right? Like, that's his profession. That's what he does, and he's a survivor. But now we're going to take away his sense of humor. And now we're going to take away his swagger. And we're going to take away, you know, some of these other things, too. And you're essentially left with Cassian, who is a smuggler, who is a survivor, who's like constantly on the run, who's stealing stuff, selling it on the side. But more vanilla. But but I'm, what I'm saying is that like, like the actual like charisma is missing. It's yeah. gone. There's no charisma. There's no uptick to it. It's literally just this guy who's just putting on a lot of like, don't talk to me, uh, fake angry poses. Like there's that one shot where like he's, all he's doing is walking through a shipyard and he's staring at the camera trying to look tough and forlorn and stuff. And I'm just like, I'm just not in this character. And I, I had a feeling that this would be the case just because like I said earlier, based off the rogue one movie, that was the one character where I was like, I just, I feel like it was kind of a miscast and I'm just not, I'm just not feeling it. So that was something I was thinking about because there are also other types of instances when I think of other characters like Luke Skywalker, for example. You know, Luke Skywalker is the 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 main hero for the hero's journey, right? He's the farm boy. He's this idealistic, you know, uh, puts his his faith in in uh, humanity and hope and does his civic duty, right? He's a boy scout. You think of uh, Princess Leia, you know, she's very independent. She's capable, but she also has a mouth on her and she's lovable. Like she's feisty, but in a lovable sense. Like there are all these positive attributes that have been associated. You know, Chewbacca, another one where Chewie is just one of these like alien species. He's a Wookiee, right? Where he's really strong and tough and you don't want to get on his bad side. But at the same time, if you get on his good side, he's like this lovable puppy of a dog Huggable. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like he's just, he's totally lovable. <laughs> And so if you keep going down, I mean, like Lando Calrissian, <laughs> once again, like Lando Calrissian, he's a gambler. He's someone who's also, type, he's yeah. a scoundrel as well. He's a smuggler, everything else, but he has charm, doesn't he? He has like all these different, uh, like likable. Sure. Uh, types of personality traits that we can get behind. And so I think that's what I'm, I'm missing when I watch a show like this is that they seem to be going down this other type of path. Uh, that has more of like a dystopian vibe, which again, this is actually, um, I'll say this really quick and then I'll let you respond. But, oh, you. you know, when I think about like Star Wars as a franchise or as like just an original IP, A New Hope came out in 1977 and the other types of like, you know, futuristic sci-fi films that were released before <laughs> Star Wars had more of like kind of a dystopian type vibe. It was very negative. It, it was definitely not like uh, an exciting, happy or exciting place. It was kind of one that was just, you know, mankind is barely surviving. You know, it's like, it's like it has more of that uh, like kind of real oppressive vibe and, and heavy and that sort of thing. And that's part of what I feel like um, contributed to Star Wars' success was that George Lucas 
approached his futuristic sci-fi movie from like a completely opposite end of the spectrum and everybody could have um, more relatability as a result. But I'd like to hear what you you think about this. Yeah, I can see what you're, what you're saying there. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where there, I, I felt that too with, with watching, uh, what was it? Rogue one. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the full, the full name was like rogue one, a star Wars story. Yeah. Um, I guess I just kind of accept it because it's a new Star Wars story that's not one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, well, this is the, what we're going to branch out and do. And I, so I thought, okay, well, this is the character, I guess, that we're going with. And there's nothing that I really I dislike about him. But yes, he is kind of boring. I think he's a safe play, but he's not a strong personality type. And because he's not a strong personality type, um, I guess... We all know somebody who's similar to him, but he doesn't stand out from the crowd as like, oh, that's my guy mm-hmm. right over there. You know, I mean, he's kind of like a wallflower in a way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do hope that they flesh him out a bit more um, because, I mean, the kind of the same guy that we get here is the same guy that we get in uh, Narcos Mexico. Like he acts the same. Was he, he in Narcos? He was in Narcos. Yeah. Not Narcos with Pablo oh, Escobar, but okay. they, they continued a different series. With- he eventually joined the, the show. Yeah. Okay. Right. I had no and idea. And I actually know who did join the show. Uh, actually, um, regular Narcos was the, uh, the lady who, um, in this show, you know, they, they have, they, they buy and sell parts and stuff mm-hmm. and she you know, sort of has her little love interest on. Yes. So the guy, so yes. that lady was in Narcos season one and she played the reporter. Yes. Uh, the guy, the lady who was interviewing uh, Pablo kind of got on a soft side a little bit, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, and I think if I, if I am pronouncing her name correctly, it's Adria... Oh, man. You didn't pronounce it right, Russ. Yo, it's Adria Arjona. It's, it, her last name is A-R-J-O-N-A. So I don't know if it's sure. I don't think that's Arjona. I think it's Arjona. Adria Arjona. If you were doing roll call <laughs> and like fifth if grade, we could and you picture me that, being a teacher. <laughs> she'd have been like, yeah, no, it's me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. You're trying to pronounce it. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> I'm here. 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 I'd be like, <laughs> Welcome to class. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> I'm working on my Espanol. <laughs> A few more weeks and I'll be fully bilingual. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, speaking of her, so yeah. she was one of the characters that I did like. Like there was her, there was also, uh, what was his name? Stellan uh, Skarsgård, who plays basically the the character that we see in episode three come in. He's the older gentleman uh, with the blonde hair. Yeah. I've always been a fan of his. I, I really like uh, how he he does his roles and stuff. And, and I think the character he plays uh, at this point in time is interesting. I had another Alex Ferns was another character that uh, or another actor, I should say, that was playing a character that I thought was interesting. He, I believe, was he was like kind of the sergeant in arms guy. He sounded like, like he was Scottish. Or yeah. Something. yeah, I really felt like he fit within the star Wars universe really well, like his look and how he carried himself and all. I mean, like even the fact that he, you know, he was more, my understanding was like more of a like private security detail or something like that. 
but I was really glad at how, you know, it wasn't like he was like some general in the, uh, the empire or, um, a stormtrooper. He was, it was, that was the kind of originality that I really liked. And I, and I, I totally bought into it. Like I, I really digged, uh, his, his screen presence. You know, uh, you bring up a point that I want to talk to you about there. Oh. I am happy that we're not seeing stormtroopers, at least not yet. Or we're not yeah. seeing anybody who's like dressed in black and oh, I'm a Sith or I'm a Darth something rather. You know, yeah. I'm glad we're not. I mean, I hope they don't like go there with this show because we've seen enough of that already. I'm kind of hoping they stay away. And as I understand it, which I could be wrong, uh-huh. either the Empire is not fully formed yet. Or all together? My understanding is is that in terms of the timeline, yeah. this show takes place before the happenings of Rogue One. Uh-huh. So essentially, we're kind of seeing Cassian's, not necessarily like origin story, but that's kind of what it is. Kind of what it is. So it's essentially, it's between, it. I, I'm still thinking it's between episodes three and four. Because if you recall, at the uh. end of Rogue One, it was basically like the, the right. very, very start of episode four where the Star Destroyer is chasing That's down right. the Carillion fra- uh, Freighter. I think, frigate? Frigate, yeah. Probably not Freighter. I think it's Frigate. Probably was Frigate because Freighter would be like hauling stuff. Yeah. Hauling troops. Um, so yeah, you're right. So then yeah, like the Empire would have been formed, I guess, they really then. Or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this... Uh, basically, this at this time, this is like the strongest that... Well, before they they have the Death Star anyway. I mean, basically, like, the Emperor has assumed total control. The Jedi have lost. I want to say it's probably within that same time frame as Obi-Wan that we watched the Disney Plus show of. But after episode three. Pre-episode four, but still after episode three. Yeah. On the uh, timeline of events. It's that 20-year period between episode three and four. Yeah, I guess that would have been the Yeah. Yeah. Chronological Indeed. chronology. Yes. Fascinating stuff for us. Anyway. Now, another thing I wanted to pick your brain about is. Careful what you find in there, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, might have to put it back. Uh, I have also thought about. There, there's, there's this. How do I? How do I? How do you say it? How do I describe this, Steve? Mm. Essentially, I have had an epiphany with regards to how Star Wars used to be versus when Disney bought Star Wars and Lucasfilm and all that kind of stuff. Ah, good old days. So essentially, like, it's like you have Star Wars and then you have Disney Star Wars. Mm. That's like the simplistic, most simplistic way I can describe this, where episodes... Uh, one through six, essentially. You have episodes four, five, and six, and you have the prequels, one, two, and three. That was done by George Lucas. And then you have Disney acquiring Lucasfilm and them doing seven, eight, nine, plus Rogue One and all the Star Wars um, stuff. Stuff. Am I missing any films that they've done? Oh, well, they also did Solo, uh, uh, a Star Wars story. Pass on that one. Um, I thought that one was actually pretty good <clears throat> yeah, for the most part. pass on that one, man. Yeah. <laughs> No, thank you. But anyway, what I'm getting at is there is a, I'm noticing a difference between the two camps. Mm. And that is like when you watch episodes four through six, like that was like the OG Star Wars. That's what put Star Wars on the map, that sort of thing. But in terms of how things were shot, who they hired for the roles, Mm. how those characters were portrayed, 
Um, and the just the overall story was definitely different than that of how Disney has approached Star Wars uh-huh. itself. You're just not noticing that, Russ? You know, it's been something that's been, I feel like it's been creeping up on me over a while now, but I just really haven't stopped to kind of, th- I mean, obviously it's like, yeah, when Disney acquired the, um, mm. the IP and everything else, it's like, yeah, but it, I always had kind of the mindset of like, okay, well, they're going to act as custodians of this IP, right? They're going to try and, and adhere to what George Lucas has already done. And in some ways I think they have done a, a decent job of that, mm. but in others, I think that they've really um, not done as good of a job. I'm rather bollocks it up a bit, eh? What do you think? <laughs> no, I've been swimming saying for years. <laughs> Glad you're finally coming around. Yeah, the whole thing feels different. It doesn't feel like it's. I mean, if you take, if you strip off <laughs> Lucas Arts and just whoa, throw it in, whoo, yeah. throw it off. Where's the censored uh, bars when you need them? Just say something. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> And you take off this LucasArts, Russ. You peel off the decal. It's still a science fiction flick, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like Star Wars, Russ. I mean, I've been, I've been saying, like, there's no really cool spaceships anymore. I mean, Lucas just had imagination, and, and Disney has really kind of lost their imagination, and they're just saying, hey, we can make money off this. We're going to take that, and we're going to milk it till it's the last drop. And that's how it feels for the most part, for the great majority of all the stuff they have. I'm concentrating on Star Wars right now. <laughs> Not going to get into the other, the other ones, but it feels like with a lot of the stuff they release, uh-huh. they are milking it to the last drop and not precisely making like art that we would enjoy for decades like Lucasfilm did. And we have discussed that before in the past about mm. how there's been this shift between, you know, how it used to be more fandom based mm. and now it's more consumerism. Where mm. like, you know, it's like, well, you know, how much merchandise can we make off ah. this and so on and so forth. So yeah, that's no surprise whatsoever. I do think also there's been kind of this ping ponging back and forth between like like, you know, Mandalorian comes out and we both <laughs> really like Mandalorian, right? Um but then they have other shows that come out and we're like, well, that's not, you know, like Boba Fett, for example, like mm-hmm. it was okay, but it really paled in comparison to like the Mandalorian show. Right. Well, it's like they had material to work with, but they didn't hire like the right people to, to write it or almost direct it. And so what we had was like, okay, that's a great idea. And it started to fall flat. Yeah. I mean, there was parts of, of uh, Boba Fett that I really enjoyed. And then you got to the later parts where, like, the, the gang didn't make sense and the, the the mopeds didn't make sense. and The Vespas. The vest, yeah, like <laughs> the space Vespas. And I'm like, okay, what are, and, you know, and then that, that starts to, to dilute the story and what they're trying to um, get us on board with, mm-hmm. essentially. And, like, who, you know... Who's choosing this kind of stuff? Yeah. I don't know. But then you get people like um, Favreau directing it, and he's got, like, the totally clear on the concept. Yeah. And it shows. Yeah. Yeah, it seems as though they're kind of hard up to try and find directors who have a better understanding of the source material, basically. I would think that was, that's not that hard to find. I mean, because, like, try and find somebody who doesn't have 
like a positive opinion of, of Star Wars or who's a fan mm-hmm. or a collection, a, a, a hive of people who go, I've read the books, I've read the comics. I mean, I didn't, so they wouldn't pick me. Yeah. But I mean, there's tons of people who have and they know the story and they know what the rest of the fans would like to see on screen. Like, I would think there would be tons of people out there who... Uh, who could bring a lot to the table. Oh, absolutely. And I think they that Disney seems to pick a few names that are maybe popular around their close circle, and they go, hey, we're going to give this to you to work something on, and they, uh, they don't really care, yeah. honestly. It just doesn't feel like they care 100%. I keep saying they should hire Steven Spielberg, because I feel like if someone knows how George Lucas shoots Star Wars, and especially because he's been around George, mm. I mean... George had Steven Spielberg come over for like an early cut of Star Wars back before it was released in 1977. I mean, like he's he's been good friends with George Lucas for a long time and the man makes outstanding movies. So it's like if there was someone who I feel like could, could do a, a fantastic job, it would be him. But pivoting off from that, though, like going back to Andor itself, you know, I also found myself thinking about, okay, you know, the, the place that, that the, these episodes are <clears throat> t- mainly taking place at right. is this big shipwreck yard, right? Where they're, they're dismantling these huge frigate ships and that sort of thing. Well, it reminded me of Star Wars, of, what was it, the, the last, no, no, Star Wars Fallen Jedi, I think it was called. Mm, yes. You know, by Respawn Entertainment. Sure. Terrific oh, game. Fallen Order. Fantastic game. Um, I think it was Fallen Jedi. Fallen Order, something like that. Fallen Order. Fallen Jedi, <laughs> Jedi fallen down, <laughs> fallen down, can't get back up. Help me. I've fallen, can't get up. But anyway, um, if you recall the very first level of that game, you are actually making your way through a, right. a very similar place with That's like right. big shipyards. You have like huge star destroyers that they're like, you know, breaking down slowly, but surely. And you're making your way through the wreckage. And I think this is a good case study in a sense that, that, the game really did a good job of capturing the world of star Wars. Like if, if you look at how they um, portrayed everything, you know, everything was, was extremely strong compositionally um, the different types of like, you know, like you see a mound of like old stormtrooper helmets that they're collecting among the wreckage and that sort of thing. Everything about that, including the the main character that you're playing as you're you're making your way through the wreckage, it really f- had that Star Wars spirit to the whole thing. When I watch the show and you have those moments in the, sh- the shipwreck yard or whatever you want to call it, certain parts I felt, f- you know, it felt somewhat Star Wars. But a lot of it, again, it just didn't have that Star Wars spirit to it it had it, again it felt like i was watching another sci-fi movie it's just it's a funny thing to to take a look at that but i mean do you draw any of those same comparisons between the game and yeah, the, the show i drew i drew a comparison with with the game um actually i think i was i saw one of the one of the ships and it looked like uh i think it was actually a ship from um what was the the the, the space shooter game that came out where you could fly an X-Wing, you fly a TIE fighter, you could fly A-Wing, fly the different ships. It came out a couple years ago. But anyhow, there was one of the ships that looked exactly like there was, it was from that game and then it took off and it looked totally different. But, uh, but yeah, I was actually wondering, like, are we going to see a BB-8? Like, or, uh, or no, a BD-1. That's what it was. A BD-1 pop up out of nowhere. Like, what are we going to see? 
and I think actually they they I mean I'm good I'm just guessing here, but I mean I I would think they drew some inspiration from that game. The game was awesome. Yeah, I have, I have no idea, uh, but yeah, I thought that was one of the things that that definitely popped in my head. I was thinking about. You know, another thing that I'm noticing, and this is this is becoming kind of like a, it's just kind of frustrating as a viewer oh, watching this. Okay. Within the Disney Star Wars movies and TV shows, hmm. they keep, it's, how do I say this? It's wow. like basically like they have essentially manifested their own trope within the films and shows that they have made as it applies to Star Wars. And what I'm specifically talking about is their use of white males in their show. So like if you are a young white male in a Disney star Wars film, I would say nine times out of 10, you're evil. Like if you're part of the first order or if, if you're like in this one, for instance, like there was like kind of that, that love interest that the guy had with uh, the the girl who like had the hookup and like, you know, he basically ratted him out. Yeah. Like messed up the whole thing. And then, you know, and then the, the other side of the trope is that if you are like a elderly white male, then you're considered a, a good guy, but you're on your way out. And we've seen this kind of rinse and repeat through multiple Disney star Wars uh, efforts. And I don't know. I, I just feel like, it's just kind of run its course. Like it's getting kind of old where I just want to like write to Kathleen Kennedy and just be like, we're not all bad. You know, like, like, you know, you, you can, you can, you can post, you know, people who look like this, like, you know, in like a starring role, if you want to just saying, but, um, did you notice that in this show as well? Um, I, I did not notice it that much. Uh, honestly, my, my, my brain was a bit turned off. So I mean, like <laughs> I, I have noticed it like this show aside, I have definitely noticed it Disney and beyond. I mean, Disney, Amazon, uh, I don't, I haven't had Netflix in a while, but I probably Netflix a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure if it's just like a, a trend in kind of Hollywood right now, uh, to do that. I don't know. It, it'll pass. I'm, I'm thinking, but I had noticed that before. Yes. Mm. Yes, indeed, Steve. Yes. Uh, and, and to, you know, be completely, you know, more specific or accurate. I'm not saying like, like all the characters have to be Caucasian male. I'm just saying sure, like, Russ. can we have like one? Is it okay? Can we have one? One good guy. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know. It's, it's like, if you noticed in these first three episodes, like you have the band of kids, right? Yeah. They're going to see the down craft, you know, and they see like these, uh, uh, I don't know, the, the people from the, the down spaceship and, you know, they're kind of like the, the white males and like, you know, you have these kids doing their thing. And then like one of them like gets up, he's like, ah, and he starts shooting at him and stuff and kills the one girl. <laughs> and then they like fill his back up with a bunch of sleepy time <laughs> darts. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, there are just, there are multiple instances of this where it's, it's throughout just the, the first three episodes. And then not only that, but then also, like I said earlier, the, some of the other films that they've done and stuff, I'm just like, I'm seeing a pattern here. Like, what, well, why are we constantly, why this is, is this like the go-to now or, or what? But anyway, I think it was a bit the same with, uh, with Obi-Wan. 
almost. I kind of had that feeling with Obi-Wan. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Just a teensy bit. Just a teensy bit. A smidge. Um, another observation that I had with regards to the three episodes is, um, you know, in an opportunity like this, you can introduce brand new characters, right? Mm -hmm. One of the areas that I think has been overlooked so far mm -hmm. in the show is the absence of new alien characters. Like if you think about like when you watch Star Wars A New Hope, for instance, like you had Chewbacca, who was a Wookiee. He's an alien species, right? If you watched Return of the Jedi and, uh. and you watch like Lando Calrissian flying the Millennium Falcon into the Death Star and he had his alien co-pilot buddy next to him or the Ewoks on, on Endor or like even in the prequels where you had like Jar Jar Binks, even though the, the character was totally annoying, there was like this, this effort or emphasis to have various types of alien characters that made up kind of the motley crew of different uh, encounters. That is true, Russ. Uh, the, the show ain't over yet. So yeah, well, we, st yeah. I mean, we still got nine more. At <laughs> Doing my math here. We saw three. I believe you are uh, correct. Nine more episodes. But uh, that has been a thing for a while. Like I was, uh, what was it? It was, yeah, I think it was Mandalorian where we had, um, you're going to remember the name. I can't remember the name, but it was, remember the duel with, uh, in the desert and they had the guy with the sharp teeth. Are you talking and about Darth was, Maul? No, he didn't, bro. There was no duel in the desert with Yeah, there was. Darth Maul? Yeah. In episode one, like oh, there was a duel with Qui-Gon okay. Jinn in the desert and then Qui-Gon Jinn like jumped up on the ship and escaped. But I'm talking Mandalorian. I'm talking Mandalorian. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So anyhow, there was that dude who was an alien who was uh, speaking English and could really draw a weapon. Uh, but other than that, I think they're just going with... Oh, are you talking about the... Oh! Oh, yeah! No, you're you're talking about Boba Fett, not Mandalorian. It was that? Was it any Boba Fett? Boba Fett was the one that had um, Cad Bane. Is that who you're talking about? Like the really cool looking gunslinger? Is, yeah, and but, he the, was, but I thought he killed one of the one of the characters in the Mandalorian who was in charge of that, uh, who was the sheriff in that town. Yes, that is Boba Fett, Steve. Because if you recall, Mando ended up making an appearance in Boba Fett. He was helping oh, Boba Fett. That's probably how I crossed those lines. Anyway, that's why I'm here, Steve. Beyond that, there hasn't really been any other like brand new alien. They're just going with basically what is already safe. established. Yeah, already established or safe. Yeah. And see, even in Cad Bane's case, that character was debuted on Star Wars Clone Wars. Mm. This was not like, oh, we're making this character specifically for Boba Fett for like the big first appearance. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, even that character doesn't count with what we're talking about, which is that, you know, I would love to see brand new alien species characters that are able to, to make certain types of appearances. I mean, even in Boba Fett, you also had um, other like another Wookiee. It was kind of more of a gladiator style Wookiee, which, uh -huh. you know, even though like we've seen a Wookiee before, it was nice to see, uh, you know, another character. Right. But it wasn't a different sheet or no, it was. I can never, I can never, I can never pronounce this particular character's name, so I'm not going to try. Thank you for cutting me off to say that you're never going to try to okay, say yeah. their name. 
But yeah, um, I don't. Yeah, I I just think this is going with what's safe for us. I mean, even even then. Oh man, you know, I mean, you got me thinking about what the name is. Um, <laughs> a. So, but he was also a Wookiee. Yes. Well, it was like Chewbacca. So it was safe in the fact that, oh, here's another Wookiee and he's strong. He's. But know, it was cool to see that on screen, wasn't it? It was cool, but it was nothing different. Because, like in, in Andor, what we're seeing right now it are just. Basically, humans and a few droids. Like we, we haven't we saw the big guy who was bland, but I mean, he was the big strong guy. He looks back up at him. He's like, what "Okay, are you doing? that was cool. I like that. That was actually one of my favorite parts of the three episodes, specifically because that was like a new type of alien species, whatever. And I don't know if that was just kind of like a little bit part for the gag, or like we're gonna see that alien come back or whatever. That was definitely cool. I'm glad that you pointed that out. You're welcome. <laughs> what else you got in that list, Russ? <laughs> Let me take a little look here. Uh, so the other thing I had, I had written down here too is that Cassian's backstory, to me, it's not holding my interest. Be- and I think part of the problem is that they're trying to build mystique around the backstory itself. But the problem is, is that there's just, there's no hook. Right. Like, like you, you, I keep seeing kind of like these, you know, Mary band, almost like, like a star Wars version of the lost boys from Peter Pan, but oh, they're not just boys. They're, they're girls in there as well. And so we just, you know, they, they're kind of dressed in these, uh, rebel Alliance fatigues or something. You know, they got kind of the little, like, you know, tattered orange jumpsuits and yellow suits and stuff. And so like the whole time, you know, of course, it makes us wonder like, oh, I, well, I wonder where these, you know, teenagers and kids came from. Clearly there are no adults around where they are. They're scavengers, that sort of thing. You know, did they grow up on this planet? Or are they just like scavengers? Did they, did they get their clothes from like say uh, previous other spaceships that have crash landed? And that is, is that how they get their stuff and how they survive? They clearly do not speak English. They have their own dialect that they use. Yeah, not from America. No, no, no. Not from the U.S. of A. No, no. So, but looking at every time that we we go back to that, we see it and we see what they're doing and that sort of thing. I don't know, like, it just doesn't capture my imagination. It doesn't capture Mm. my attention. I find myself just kind of counting down the, the seconds until we get back to present day uh, with Cassian and Andor and, and, and what's going on. Well, I, I I gotta think they're doing something with it. I mean... Of course. I would say... So, if it was only six episodes long, which that's kind of been the running theme of these Disney Plus shows. Like, oh, here's you know six episodes and four out of the six are gonna be boring. <laughs> you know, you're, we're gonna make you sit through four episodes until like the good stuff, which is gonna be like just like the last two. Maybe even just like the last one um but since there's 12 i gotta think that they're gonna be doing something more with it oh yeah i mean and i was really happy to find out from you that instead of the the typical average like six episodes at disney plus green lights we have twice as many episodes i'm like ooh, okay and even when we were watching the official trailer for the show there are several scenes and other characters that we have yet to be introduced to that definitely piqued my interest Mm. so as far as I'm concerned, like I'm not ruling like the show out. It's just, it's this weird situation where like 
almost every Disney Plus TV show that we have watched, the first three episodes are always really boring and like it, it, it you kind of almost feel like like you're on the cusp of losing interest and then all of a sudden like it starts to have this upward motion that we've seen in, in so many different instances and then you know of course like you know the last episode or whatever they usually have some kind of big surprise aha moment or whatever and that's great that's that's a, that's a lot of fun but in this type of instance, when it comes to 12 episodes, but furthermore, even having those three episodes, I just wish that they could be more successful in hitting the ground running with that very first episode and not stopping until the end of the season. True. Um, they may have stretched it a bit. Mm. They may have stretched it a little bit. Like the second episode was a bit of a throwaway. You know, I think it was only like 37 minutes long, maybe less. But yeah, I think you're right. Anyhow, I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what happens. Anyway, I mean, uh, compared to the lot, this plenty of other stuff that we've we've got, I think I think this one, I'm 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 keeping my hopes up. Well, that's cool because. Yeah. Normally, you're you're not that type of well, uh, outlook with I, when it comes to the yeah, other Star Wars. I just feel like since this one's so different than the past ones that we've been we've received, uh-huh. that I'm I have my hopes up, and it doesn't seem like it's just so silly. Um, I mean, Obi Wan I thought was was silly. I thought it was kind of a throwaway series. I really didn't care for Obi Wan all that. I mean, I think you did. I really didn't really care for it. I didn't care for the the first half. The first half was again, it was like slow and it's like it's like you can tell they were they were wanting to do character development and they decided to go with the slow burn approach. But honestly, like I really didn't get into it till about episode three. Like there were six episodes, and then especially with episode four, like you had four, five, and six were, in my opinion, great. And episodes one, two, and three, I was like, oh my goodness, like this is this is not very good. Yeah. So kind of cancel each other out. Well, I wouldn't say that, but I, I'm yeah. just, again, I, it, it's a head scratcher, right? It's like, you wonder why is it that, um, I would say with the exception of perhaps Mandalorian, because Mandalorian is one of those success stories where like from episode one until the final episode in every season, it's been fantastic. I just don't understand in these other instances. Why is it that they seem to struggle with, building on that character development, have that exposition, but do so in a way that hooks us. Riding in direction, Russ. Indeed. Riding in direction. Did you have any final thoughts, Steve? No, I think that was my final thought, Russ. I'm just, I, uh, I'm, I'm not like, I, like I said in the beginning, I am, uh, I'm happy with it. I'm not like you know, overjoyed. I think what we have so far is good. And I'm looking forward to, to continuing the show, and I hope it gets better, or at least I hope it maintains this level. If they just do maintain this level, I'm gonna be happy. Right on. Um, if it if it falls, I'll be sad. Sure. But uh, I'm looking forward to continuing it. Well, that's very nice, Steve. That's encouraging. Mm. And I myself oh. also am definitely not throwing in the towel. I, again, it's it's ah. it's because I think I've been conditioned now to like understand the first three episodes or just they are the way they are. <laughs> I'm going to continue to have an open mind and, and look and see uh, what they do with the show for the remaining nine episodes. And so I don't know, I, I could be singing its praises before long, but uh, that wraps up this particular episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. 
you enjoy this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it continues financially helping us do the podcast. Also, make sure you click on that subscribe button as well as that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week every week. And while you're at it, you can also... Do a search for at Joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice mm. and join the Joygasm community. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. May the force be with you all, and we'll catch you next week.